This show is dedicated to the life and memory of John Huber. What's going on guys? Your boy Elroy here and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I am your host, Josh Prep Egina, and I haven't said this in a long time, but I'm here with my good buddy, Ron Pashry Jr. Ron, <laughs> what is up, man? Uh, not too much. You know, you said it's been a long time since you've said that. I assume the, the phrase, I'm here with my good buddy. Uh, also, my name, Ron Pasher. You haven't said that on a podcast in a while. Uh, this is the first podcast I've done in at least two or three months uh, because I am out of uh, my MacBook still. I only really have the option of recording on my phone. Uh, I'm typically, you know, doing some side hustle stuff at night. So I have not really had the time or like the ability to do any podcasting. I'm actually nervous to do a podcast for the first time in a while because it has been, this is the longest I've gone without podcasting in five years, I think. Wow. Damn, five years. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's great to have you back, man. I miss you, dude. I can't wait for like somebody to stick a needle in me and you <laughs> twice so we could see each other. Um, because if I know anything about Ron Pashery, it's that he's a hugger. So I can't wait to hug you again, dude. <laughs> I am looking forward to giving out many hugs uh, when the time comes. I'm ready for those two needles. Um, had a bout with COVID myself. Um but yeah, I'm ready to be vaccinated so I know that I'm not at risk and that I'm not putting anyone else at any risk. But yeah, I'm, you thanked me for being on the show. I'd like to thank you for having me on. I had a lot of fun doing this. I want to say last year, but it feels like a decade ago we sat down to do this for last year's year end show. Oh, wow. uh, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, you for having studio? me back on again. Yes. Oh, I haven't had somebody in studio in a long time. Yeah, we recorded, I want to say we recorded early January. Um, I was in studio, but it does not feel like a year ago. Like this year has been un, like unimaginable, unimaginably long. Uh, you know, and I know I'm not the only one who feels that way or the first one to say that. Uh, definitely. Uh, so I titled this last week uh, during my quick episode as the YBE MMA awards. Um, while I was cleaning up my notes and trying to get you something a little more clear and concise Mm -hmm. to kind of remind you of the things during the year, uh, I decided in my head, not really to do an award show more. So a best of show, uh, we will give out a few awards, just some clear cut winners, like maybe some like moments that really changed like the MMA landscape. But uh, just for the audience's sake and our sake, uh, I broke it down by quarter. So we will be going by quarter one, two, three, and four. Um, I will be talking about the best fights from that quarter, the best knockouts from that quarter, and if there was a performance that stood out in that quarter that wasn't like so uh, more so a best fight or a best knockout. So, starting off with quarter one, that ran from January 18th, starting with UFC 
246, McGregor versus Cerrone. And then it ended on 314, the first show of the COVID era. Actually, the, <laughs> the first show that was semi-canceled, um, but not really canceled, uh, Kevin Lee versus Charles Oliveira. So starting off with the best fights, let's start with UFC 247 on February 8th. Jones and Reyes. Pash, do you remember this fight at all? I do. So, like, the main thing I remember about this, first of all, I'm I'm just going to be completely honest. And, again, I think I feel more comfortable saying this than I normally would. Uh, but I think all of us, like, 2020 is a very hazy period for a lot of us. Like, I don't think a lot of us are looking back with crystal clear memories of much of anything. So I don't have, like a lot of times I'll remember so many details about a fight. I don't know that there are many fights I remember in like vivid detail, but the thing that I most remember about this fight is how clearly, you know, and I don't even think this is my opinion or my dislike of one of the guys in this fight, how clearly Reyes won the fight and how disappointed I was. Like I kind of knew when it went to decision who was going to win the decision, but I felt like he clearly won the fight. Uh, I didn't even think it was really close. Um, but there was a period in that fight where I was like, oh, we we finally got somebody to beat this guy. So I do remember the fight. I thought it was like an interesting fight because I did not think it was going to play out that way. And I think you you probably did kind of think it was going to play out this way a little more than I did. Yeah, so for me, I, I didn't know too much. Um, I just, in all fairness... Everybody knows this. I always I always feel the need to explain myself. If we're talking about John Jones, I'm rooting against him because I don't <laughs> like how, who he is as a person. I don't care how good he is as a fighter. Um, I cannot separate the person and the fighter. So for me, I was looking at Dominic Reyes as someone who matched up very well with him, you know, in height and reach. You know, skill set, not so much, but he really proved everybody wrong in this fight. And unfortunately for him, only this fight alone this year. Uh, this mm -hmm. was John Jones' only fight this year. Uh, this is Dominic Reyes' first fight of the year. He had one more fight that we will probably talk about later on. But uh, moving on from the Jones-Reyes to Dan Hooker versus Paul Felder on February 22nd. Pash, I don't know if you remember anything about this fight, but this is the first fight that uh, my former co-host Andre and I watched together on Instagram Live trying to score it ourselves because initially when I watched the fight, I was like, I don't know how they could say Dan Hooker won this fight, but mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. This fight was incredible. Um, Paul Felder just showed how fantastic of a fighter he is, and Dan Hooker really showed how much he has to show. It's not just he's a killer striker. He can defend a takedown. He can take you down. Dan Hooker is a problem. And the crazy thing is, this is not the only fight that he has as the best fights of the year. So maybe you could like remind me of this. The Khabib-Dustin um, fight in Abu Dhabi. What didn't Dan Hooker have a fight on that card? Dan or did he have a fight on like an, an Adesanya card maybe around that time? So Dan Hooker 
who's who's usually really active. Um, dude, it's so crazy. He's a year and a week older than me. <laughs> it's crazy how talented he is. Mm-hmm. But he fought on October 6, 2009, UFC 243, which was the Whitaker uh, Adesanya card. Who did he fight on that card? That's probably the one I'm thinking of. Ally Quinta. Okay, so that is so that was the fight like that put him on the map for me. I didn't really know much about him. I hadn't I probably only even heard about him from you guys talking about him on YBE. That was the first time I saw him fight and I, I believe I just came away like I think I I may have watched that at your house actually. Um but I remember being like is this guy like a prospect because I'm really impressed. And you're like, yeah, he's like got a chance to kind of make a name for himself. So I was aware of him and obviously aware of Felder. Uh, the thing that I, I recall most about this fight, one, that it was like a war, uh, and two, that it's one of those weird fights where I I like both guys and like I don't want to see either guy have a setback uh, because Paul Felder, obviously, we have like the kind of local guy uh, connection to him and Hooker because he was this guy that I kind of discovered recently and had high hopes for. Um, and it's almost one of those things where even though one of the guys had to lose, the fight was so good that I don't think it set either guy back. Like, I think it's like one of those fights you come out and be like, holy shit, both of those guys are animals. So that's what was my main takeaway from that fight. Yeah. Just a quick note on Dan Hooker. He's been in the UFC since 2014 and it wasn't until last year where he really started to stand out. And for me personally, I have to credit that to uh, Israel Adesanya and how he really put city kickboxing and all the team like on the map, like really pushing like somebody, a champion like Adesanya, how much credit he gives to his team um, and all of his teammates really boosts the confidence and the spotlight of his teammates like Dan Hooker, even Kai Car France, who doesn't have the best record. If I know Kai Car France is on a card, I'm excited because I know who he trains with and I know how they work. So it's going to be a great fight. Mm-hmm. But uh, moving on, the last fight of the first quarter, and I'm just going to say it right now my fight of the year. Nothing is going to beat this on this list. I do not care. This is like fight of the decade type stuff. This is the greatest fight, in my opinion, in women's MMA history. Zhang Wei Li versus Joanna Young Jacek from UFC 248 on March 7th. Do you... I don't... I'm, like, speechless because this fight was mm-hmm. incredible. I remember watching it. It was one of those fights where you watch and you're just, like, there watching the screen. Like, how are they doing this? These shots are ridiculous. Joanna's head was swole up like a balloon, but she just kept moving forward, <laughs> refused to quit. This fight is everything I love about MMA, a stand-up war, like fan favorite fight of the year. Uh, this is my fight of the year. Um, I think it's probably already cemented a place on like, you know, I know we got nine more years to go, but I feel like it's already cemented its place as a nominee for fight of the decade. Uh, hands down, like the way I always have raved about Sasha Banks versus Bailey at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, that's how I feel about this fight. Like 
two women who like one was like a former champion who was kind of trying to get back to where she used to be. One was like the kind of new champion who's trying to cement herself as the greatest uh, right now. And like neither one of them could have given any more. Uh, like I almost feel like if those two retired right now, like their legacy is cemented in like the history of women's MMA. That was like not even one of the best women, not even the best women's fight I've ever seen. That's probably like a top five at worst top 10 fight I've ever watched. Um, like you said, a stand up war. Uh, and it's not even like, like I almost don't even think either one of them, I was worried about one of them getting finished at any point because it was like, neither one of them is going to quit. Neither one of them is going to stop. And like, they literally went toe to toe for the entire 25 minutes. Uh, yeah. Like, I could probably watch that fight like once a week for the next 10 years and never get tired of watching it. Like that might be up there for me. Like the way you talk about watching, rewatching Adesanya and Gastelum. Like I kind of feel the same way about this fight. This was like my second, um, this is my second year in a row where like a fight of the year kind of cracks like my all time favorite fights, which is crazy to think about it shows how mma is just getting better as the time progressive and we'll talk about this more at the end but mm -hmm. like this year really like showed how great these fighters are no crowd just like a cage and two fighters that's all this sport needs which is the best part about it especially during this pandemic era so moving on to the best knockout there was only one, this is like one of the best knockouts of the year and one of the best comebacks of the year, if not the best comeback of the year, Benil Dariush over Jakar Close uh, from that same card, UFC 248 on March 7th. This was crazy. Like, these guys went to war and then like both got dropped and in the end, Benil Dariush just completely obliterates Jakar Close. Um, a fantastic. Now this was knockout. the one where he kind of like, like fell like back into the cage. Yeah, yeah, like blasted him, and like yeah. his mouthpiece <laughs> like is like hanging out. Yes, that was an incredible knockout. Benil Dariush, I'm just gonna call it. Like I said, this isn't more of an award show. Just stuff that we're like kind of remembering from the whole year, like the best of. Benil Dariush, if this was an award show, would have won comeback fighter of the year because he had a fantastic year moving on oh to yeah can i bring up one other uh like impressive knockout from the first quarter of the year of course um it might be just like cliche to bring it up but i think it was like significant especially because it was something that i think a lot of people felt was going to signify something that would be a lasting story throughout the year and it just like never happened um, and now Cowboy might be a shot fighter at this point, but after the, the time off that he took, um, the doubt that he faced coming back, uh, like I think Connor's knockout of, uh, Cerrone was super impressive based on like all the surrounding circumstances. And I think we even saw like, just like the creativity that Connor and, his coach, like, you know how much I love, like, a good camp and a good coach. And you know I'm a big uh, fan of Kavanaugh. But 
Like the fact that he really kind of won that fight with those shoulder strikes in the first like 15 seconds, like that really changed the course of the fight. We've never really seen anyone do that. Um, and it just kind of showed you that like these guys are always finding new ways uh, to reach their objective. Um, so I thought it was a super impressive knockout, a super impressive return to the octagon. And I kind of was waiting for Connor's next fight to see like, is this real or did he, did he just happen to get a matchup with a guy who maybe does not have the, uh, the jaw anymore or the chin anymore uh, in, in these high level fights or a guy who kind of a lot of times has failed in these situations. But I thought it was an awesome performance from Connor. And even though we didn't get to see him again, 2020 was supposed to be his season. I believe he kept calling it. Uh, he didn't get to have that. But like the fact that that performance happened early last year has made me even more excited for like, what is he? And we get to see it again early in 2021. So I don't know if you like considered that like a really impressive knockout, but I'm curious your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think if I had to, I would put that more in like the performance aspect because mm -hmm. it was just so dominant, you know, 40 seconds, barely even touched. Um, but yeah, it was a great visual. It's crazy to go back and rewatch, like, especially like those first, like this first quarter entirely, except obviously for the last card. It's so crazy to watch that and like see crowds, like, and just to think that was only, you know, 11 months ago. <laughs> it's like, it's, and it's Kevin rough. Lee, not even two months later was fighting in front of an empty arena. Yeah. So perfect perfect transition into the best performance of the of the year um starting off with charles Oliveira over kevin lee his submission win over kevin lee just so dominant um charles Oliveira, who we'll talk about later on as well is just someone who yeah very very interesting win streak like yeah he's won whatever it is like eight in a row but Go to his Wikipedia page and see who those wins are over and how many people you can think of that you're like, oh, that guy's a title challenger. Oh, wow, I can't believe he, he beat these guys. It's like nobody said that until he beat Kevin Lee. When mm -hmm. he, like, starts Kevin Lee, it just showed how good he was and that he really belonged in that upper echelon of UFC lightweights. Agreed, because Kevin Lee was kind of viewed as one of – you know, we have these guys every couple of years where it's like, oh, he's he's in a new camp and like his career has been revived. Like we had that with Andre Orlovsky for a little while. And I, I can't even think of anybody off the top of my head. But like people viewed Kevin Lee that way, like, oh, this guy is for real now. So, yeah, like that was a super impressive uh, performance. I remember I was personally very upset because I've always been a Kevin Lee fan. And I, I always thought he had like a fun personality and was a a fun guy to watch fight, but, and he pretty much came out after that and said like, he's taking time off. Right. Yeah. So he, uh, he had to get like ACL surgery. So he's been off obviously for, for the, for the rest of the year. And I don't expect to see him till probably this time next year. Um, I think it's best for him mentally just to kind of get in that headspace of a winner again. Mm -hmm. Uh, what I didn't like is like when Khabib retired, he's like, "Oh, I'm ready for that belt." It's like, <laughs> come on, man! This is like the worst. Yeah. 
time to say that. <laughs> you're right. Uh, but yeah, Charles Oliveira, you're right. We will get to him again eventually, but like a great performance to kind of kick off like the era of UFC and MMA we've had for the past, you know, nine or 10 months. Yeah. And then from one killer Brazilian to another, Gilbert Burns is KO over Damian Maya on that same card, March 14th. Um, just really put him over as not just this jujitsu guy. Like he's knocking dudes out and he starts Damian Maya. Um, but I would like to keep the rest of my Gilbert Burns talk for <laughs> the next quarter. Uh-huh. S- starting off in quarter two, it started on five. Uh, five would be May. May 9th, mm-hmm. that's UFC 249, Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson. Finishing on June 27th, Dan Hooker versus Dustin Poirier. Uh, quick note for quarter two, no cards in April. Uh, April was the one month that the UFC had to take off. Um, I guess you could probably say it was, I think it was like the worst month in the United States or yeah. one of the worst months. Um, so maybe it's better that they took off that one month. I, <laughs> you know, you probably look at this and like, they probably t- should have took off a little more, but we'll talk about <laughs> what they should have and shouldn't have done later on. Let's start yes. with the best fights. Um, Pash starting off with Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson on that May 9th card. Yes. The imp- the performance by Gaethje was fantastic, but it wasn't just a great performance. It was a fantastic fight to watch Justin Gaethje on how he controlled Tony Ferguson and just like waiting for Tony Ferguson to kind of pull a rabbit out of the hat for those five rounds. Yeah. So, and so it's interesting. So there are always like, whether it's in like a movie or whether it's sports or on a TV show, there are certain things that seem like inevitable. Um, like in the Avengers, Thanos was inevitable. Like one of his famous lines. Um, and Tony is kind of like a notorious slow starter. Like he loses the first round in a lot of fights. And then he just eventually, you know, turns the thing around. And I wouldn't even consider it like, pulling a rabbit out of the hat. It's just like once he settles in, it's almost impossible to hang with him. So Gaethje obviously has that super impressive first round. And I'm like, okay, let's see what happens in round two. Like it's going to turn around eventually. And then like it didn't. And I'm like, all right, well, round three, it's going to turn around. And it didn't. And at that point, so like that's maybe the most impressive thing about that Gaethje performance is like, it's not even like, I was into the fifth round still thinking like, well, Tony's going to figure it out at some point. By the time we got through the third round, I was like, oh no, he's just kicking this dude's ass. And Tony has no answers. Like he made me stop believing in Tony Ferguson in the middle of that fight, (laughs) which I never thought I would do. Um, And I mean, it is one of the worst beatings I've ever seen a high level fighter take Um, credit to uh, Tony. Like, I like the, the whole like heart of a champion thing and like kind of like a cliche sometimes or whatever, like the whole warrior thing can be kind of like a cliche that gets overused. Like that's a dude that like he is those things uh, like to keep standing in there and taking that punishment, taking that abuse. There's even like the one 
moment in I believe it was towards the end of the fifth round when he got hit and like shook his head where I actually just like felt sorry for him um that was really rough to watch like him like he takes a hit or he takes a strike and then he's like basically trying to like shake the cobwebs off mm -hmm. and that's when they called the fight that's when yeah when he did that Herb Dean was like all right that's enough it was it was really hard to watch but just a fantastic performance by Justin Gaethje yeah, unbelievable. Like, one of the best uh, individual performances um, I've seen in the last, you know, five or ten years. Because we knew Gaethje was good, and we knew he was a threat. But Tony was viewed as, like, this guy might be the most dangerous guy at this weight class. And he just completely destroyed him. So moving on from that fight, we're going to go to June 20th. This fight was a war Josh Emmett versus Shane Burgos. Josh Emmett ended up winning that fight, but I don't know if you know, Pash, but Josh Emmett blew his knee out, like, in the middle of the fight, ended up finishing the fight, and what a war. If you look up this fight, like, the, <laughs> the screenshot is crazy of, like, them just completely bloody. This fight was incredible. This is, like, the type of fight, like... You could almost make a movie about MMA and like put this as the almost like the unrealistic fight that would happen in the final scene. Um, and Josh Emmett actually will plays a role in something we're going to talk about later on um, in the podcast. But yeah, it, an unbelievable. This is actually one I kind of wish I would have gone back and watched again, um, which I thought about doing, but I kind of ran out of time. Um, but yeah, I mean, an unbelievable fight and. Uh, it's crazy how many unbelievable fights we had this year. It really is. Moving on from that, I'm so sorry. I It is 8.23 right now on Wednesday night. <laughs> and obviously this show, we, uh, we opened it with the dedication to um, John Huber. Because if, if the world doesn't know, uh, professional wrestler Brody Lee... Uh, in WWE, he was Luke Harper, but his real name is John Huber. He passed away suddenly on Sunday, I believe, um, or Saturday. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. from a lung infection. A non this I hate that I have to say this, but I know. a non COVID related lung infection. Uh, 41 years old, two really young kids. Like he was a father, he was a husband, he was a co-worker a professional and it's it's just something that has really rocked me so at 8 23 you know dynamite started 23 minutes ago and like i just went on my phone to see what they did and i just saw like the stage full of all the wrestlers and like all his colleagues just kind of like crying because they dedicated the show to him uh really really sad story man really bums me out oh same um Guy's only five months. Well, he's five months younger than me, uh, so it hits a little extra close to home. Like when I looked up how how old he was, I'm like, shit, he's my age. Um, and yeah, like a dad, a husband. Like clearly, everyone that knew him has been raving about the type of person he is, the type of husband. We've seen a lot of stories about like the way he's helped certain people within the business, um, and obviously from our our time on Matt Madness together, you know how 
I was a fan of the Wyatt family than most. And like, obviously car for a big, big part of that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. It's a sad loss. Unfortunately, the world of wrestling is like no stranger to losing people way too young, but like, no matter how many of these guys, uh, are lost way too soon. Like, it, you, you never really feel desensitized to it. Like, it hurts just as much every time. Yeah, it's a rough one. So, just wanted to bring that up. But um, I... I'm yeah, sorry. my sympathies really do go out to, like... No, it's okay. My sympathies really go out to, like, anyone who whose life he was a part of. Like, whether it was as close as, like, a husband and wife or, like, a father and child relationship, a friendship, or even just, like someone that was kind of your acquaintance on the road or whatever. Like, I just feel, feel terrible that these people like have to go on without this person that, that obviously meant so much to them. Yeah. So just a small move to the side, but let's keep talking. This is the final, uh, best fight of quarter two, finishing it off with the main event, the last fight of that quarter, uh, Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. Like I said, this is the second time Dan Hooker's on this list. Uh, he did not come out on top of this fight, but this fight was another war. I think both, like, I want to see these guys fight again, and hopefully next time they fight, it's for a title, because <laughs> if this is any indication, I can only imagine the drive that Dan Hooker will have if a title is on the line. Yeah, so Dan Hooker, like I said, he won that fight with Paul Felder, like impressed me even more than he had before. Uh, this fight was huge to me, like strictly for Dustin, because like Dustin worked his way up to get that lightweight championship fight with Khabib. And I know there were a lot of people that believed in him as a guy who might be able to knock off Khabib. Uh, I think you even like you you might not have predicted him to win, but I think like you talked about like seeing a path to him beating Khabib. Um, and like he clearly came up short, like really was not much of a uh, roadblock for Khabib. And I, I even remember like I having this conversation with you where there's like there are some guys who are special. And then there are some guys who just like aren't there. And it's clearly like Dustin is not one of those guys who is special. He's just the guy who's really good. And I feel like this fight almost made people that like me that had that view of him, like take a second look at him. Like, okay, maybe he's not just a guy whose ceiling is here. He's got more to give than, than maybe I was giving him credit for. So like huge fight for Dustin in like kind of opening people's eyes to him again, that may have closed him after he lost to Khabib. Yeah. So then moving on to the best KOs, of this quarter, we had uh, Francis Ngannou over Jarzinho Rosenstrike on May 9th, which was not very technical. But <laughs> he just not not at all technical. He just bull rushed <laughs> this guy and sent him into another dimension, as Francis Ngannou does. This was violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then we had Miguel Baeza over Matt Brown. Uh, Baeza is someone that I'll talk about later on, but just the way he finishes Matt Brown, this was on May 16th. This was another fantastic performance. I cannot wait to talk more about Miguel Baeza, but Matt, Miguel Baeza very early in his career. Matt Brown, obviously, 
a very, very good veteran of the game. Mm-hmm. To see what Baeza does to him is crazy to watch. And then my favorite knockout of this quarter, Cody Garbrandt over Rafaela Sunsau on June 6th. This was a fantastic finish. Uh, the clip is perfect. Like, <laughs> if you go and watch the clip of the five seconds before the knockout, <laughs> his setup, and the way Rafaela Sunsau just gets laid out, this is like stuff that you show people like, oh, you never seen MMA? Look at this finish. <laughs> I almost feel like in just about any other year, this would have been my knockout of the year. Um, it's my number two, uh, because like how often, okay. So like as a huge NBA fan, there's like not many things that are more exhilarating than like a shot that goes up, like as the buzzer is sounding where like, if this goes in, the game's over. If it misses, the game is over and you're losing. Um, this was like a true buzzer beater knockout. Like it was at the horn and you just don't see that that often. And it was just. Like beautiful, a be- like you said, a beautiful setup, a beautifully thrown punch, like perfectly placed at the exact perfect time. And it's very rare to see like everything just line up so beautifully like that. Yeah, so then moving on from the knockouts to the best performances, we already talked about Justin Gaethje over Tony Ferguson. Um, my MVP of the first half of the year Gilbert Burns over Tyron Woodley on May 30th. Just the way he beats Woodley in dominant fashion, coupled with the knockout of Damian Maya, earning him the next title shot, Gilbert Burns, if he would have completed the like <laughs> trilogy and was able to fight Kamara Usman by the end of the year, we probably would have been talking about this guy as the fighter of the year, but shout out to Gilbert Burns. He show he really showed how good he really is this year, especially with this performance against Tyron Woodley. Yeah, absolutely dominant. Like I, I've talked even like at length on uh, YBE about my affinity for Tyron Woodley, um, a guy I've always believed in, a guy I've always rooted for. And, like, was hoping for a big bounce-back performance from him against Gilbert Burns. And he, like, it was almost like he wasn't even in the cage. Like, that's how dominant Gilbert Burns was. Yeah, so don't worry. You'll get another chance to talk about Tyron Woodley for the wrong (laughs) reasons Uh in the next quarter. Quarter three, (laughs) starting on 7-11 with UFC 251, Kamara Usman versus Jorge Masvidal, and finishing... On September 26th, UFC 253, Adesanya versus Costa. Um, let's be honest, no best fights. Uh, nothing too crazy happened. Um, not so much the fights as total, but there are some great knockouts and some great performances that will start with the knockouts. I'm going to talk about my favorite knockout, and then mm-hmm. I don't want to leave these other knockouts off so i'm at least going to bring them up so people know about them because this was the start of the year where we had a tuesday night contender series and those guys just blew it out of the water this quarter Mm -hmm. so i have to bring them up 
uh, some of the names that are going to be really hard to talk about. But uh, starting with my favorite knockout of this quarter, Hamzat Shemaev over Gerald Mearshart on September 19th. Pash, did you get a chance to see this knockout and how violent it was? Yes. Um, so that was the exact word I was going to use was violent. Like you talked about um, the Nganu knockout being violent. Like this was violent. This was like, you know how there are some guys in a division that's just like, this is a whole different type of animal uh, from the, his peers. And this is like the type of knockout where like, oh yeah, this guy is not like anybody else that he's facing. Yeah. Uh, violent and like just so sudden it was just like it was a fight and then it was over like faster than you could blink um yeah unbelievable knockout um and one that like i don't know one that, like one of those ones that you you don't forget like i feel like that's one that you remember like you remember watching it you remember seeing it you remember the reaction you had to that punch landing uh yeah he's a whole different type of beast than his competition yeah, I'm looking forward to like uh, his growth and his. I want to see this guy fight the best so that he could show how good he is because you can still kind of say that he's unproven. You mm-hmm. know, um, the people that he's fought in the UFC, obviously, you know, Gerald Mearshart, he has the most submissions, I believe, in middleweight history, I believe, if I'm saying that right. Um, but the other two guys he fought, like, yeah, Reese McKee was someone who we thought was going to be good, but went on to, like, get starched in his fight right after Hamzat. Um, so hopefully in the first quarter of next year, we'll really know what Hamzat is because UFC loves this guy. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that more at the end of this episode where, like, the more you fight, the more promise the UFC has in you. And this era is really evident of that so that's my favorite knockout just some that i want to bring up uh benil dariush over scott holtzman on august 8th he finished him with a spinning back Mm -hmm. elbow that was incredible and really capping off how great his year was with those two fights adrian not adrian yanez over wong i didn't put his first name that was on August 11th. Uh, that was from the Contender Series. That dude is a problem, and it's not the only time we'll see him on this list. He um, had him rocked multiple times, like, <laughs> in that. And maybe the most – it might even be more impressive in a way than the knockout that he was still, like, on his feet at the end of it. <laughs> I didn't um, know anything about Adrian Yanez. This was kind of – I remember this episode where I just like turned it on in the background mm-hmm. just to like watch, but something told me like just sit down and watch this fight. Didn't see the pieces beforehand. Yeah, just saw like when the fight started, and I was like, "Yo, this dude's a problem." Oh, mm-hmm. this fight is over. Like, <laughs> that's the crazy thing about the contender series. Like, you watch it, and you're like, "Do these guys really belong in the UFC?" Some know. But then you get a guy like Adrian Yanez. It's like, yes, yes, he does. Mm-hmm. So moving on to two other contender series fights, we had Tafan. I'm not. I'm using his first name because I don't know how to say his last name. Over <laughs> Mutaval, I believe that's how it's pronounced. That was on September 8th. 
Then we had Philip Haas over Bistavayas. That same card. September 8th. Please go watch that because those are both extremely good fights and finishes. Then we had Chaos Williams over Rodriguez on September 15th. Was that a head kick? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was nasty too. (laughs) Devastating. Very devastating. Chaos Williams is someone that uh, also will not – this isn't his only time on this list. And then we had (laughs) Randy Costa over Journey Newsom on 919. Another great knockout. Let's talk about some performances. Like I said, we didn't have, like, great fights, but we had fantastic performances. Um, Some that stick out to me – well, I'll talk about my favorite at the end, uh, but just some that I want to talk about really quick. Yuri Prohaska in his UFC debut starching Ozdemir, which nobody really does. Like, Ozdemir is just tough tested yes he's been finished but never like this Yuri mm-hmm. Prohashka is someone to watch in 2021 agreed <laughs> then we had Davison Figueredo over Joseph Benavidez I believe that this is their first fight um, mm. or their second fight maybe it's their second because I thought it was the second yeah I want to say that this I picked this one because of the violence of it. I don't know if you remember the way he choked out Joseph Benavides. Mm-hmm. That was devastating. Yeah. It was yeah, it was like it was like a scary finish. Yeah. Then we had Derek Brunson over um Edmund Shabazian on August first. Edmund Shabazian is someone who is highly touted, like someone who's supposed to be great, and Derek Brunson showed that the veteran could still go. Um, just a really fun performance more so than like, uh, this was great. I, I, I think that was the last time I was on YBE was before that card. And I think I was hyping up like how much I was, uh, in the Shabazian camp. Cause I'm just like ready for what's next. Oof. And Brunson was like, nah, that's not next. <laughs> it was crazy. It may it be was... next, but it's not yet. <laughs> I think, uh, this year I look, I re looked at Brunson, like maybe he's not done. Maybe he could mm-hmm. still make a run. So congratulations to him on that because he was someone that I was like, this is a gatekeeper. (laughs) Yeah. Then we had Colby Covington over the gatekeeper himself, Tyron Woodley, on (laughs) September 19th. Pash, I'm not even going to ask. You don't have to give him any credit. but um... I don't because he fought a guy who washed, who got beat (laughs) like that. It was his third fight in a row getting beat like that. It's not really – it's like beating BJ Penn at this point. It's two years too late. (laughs) Yeah. Then the best performance of this quarter, um, something that I watched with you, Israel Adesanya over Paulo Costa on September 26th. Pash, take it away. Yeah, so Israel Adesanya is a guy that I was introduced to through – the YBE podcast. He's a guy that I immediately like fell in love with as a fighter, as a personality, as a character, as an entertainer, as like a stylist. Um, and he obviously had this like meteoric rise, like l- the last two years he runs into Yoel Romero and it's not the most impressive performance. He did what he had to do to win the fight. And um, it's like, people just like forgot about him or like wrote him off as like, Oh yeah, he's just that guy. And this was the perfect way 
to be like, yeah, I'm not just that guy. Like I am so much more than what you saw in that fight. A guy who is a monster standing across from him. Um, a guy who will come right after him and a guy who has come after everyone and like hurt everyone he's faced. And he just had nothing for Adesanya. Like again, like the Gaethje performance against Ferguson was incredible to me. This was maybe even more impressive if only because like once people kind of turn on you a little bit, it's really hard to win them back. And I feel like he did that that night, like with just an absolute, domination of a guy that you know to hear people tell it was like a guy that he was going to have a hard time with and he had he made pretty easy work of paulo costa yeah it was such a turnaround from the romero fight um a fantastic performance cemented how great he is and i cannot wait to see more of israel adesanya in 2021 he is Same. just an incredible talent uh, even better human being, like if you watch some of his Instagram stories, like, yes, he can come off as very cocky. I don't care. He has the right to be, but he's extremely gracious to his fans, especially when he receives respect. Um, I love that he loves to point that out about his fans. And um, Paulo Casa is someone who really has to work hard to kind of gain me back as a believer because as fun as the fight with Romero was, he just had absolutely nothing in this Adesanya fight, like not mm -hmm. even close. And I was nervous for nothing. Like I sat on the couch on the verge <laughs> of having to poop or I sat on the steps. I'm sorry. I was yeah. on the steps, like peeking at the TV. And I just remember when he, when he was able to, uh, basically put him out i like ran down the steps screamed threw my hat it was it was extremely fun to watch that fight was this yet another example of there being levels to this yes very much <laughs> and yes yes i'm not gonna say anything else <laughs> because i think that's the perfect way to end that yeah <laughs> good moving on to quarter four it started with uh it started on October 3rd with Holly Holm versus Irina Aldana. And then it finished on December 19th, this last card of the UFC, with Stephen Thompson and Jeff Neal. Starting off with the best fights, Pash. Uh, an incredible fight. Both of these fights are from the same card on December 12th, starting off with Davison Figueredo over Brendan Moreno. Pash, did we text during this fight? Uh, I believe so, yes. Okay, so there was two... This was the second time we just talked about the first fight where like, mm -hmm. I kind of had to do a lap around the house. Yeah. Stood up for all the post-fight pressers. Um, I did that with the Figueredo fight. Like, I stood up till 4 o'clock in the morning on this borderline high of what did I just watch? I didn't, it didn't bother me that it was a draw. If not, it made it better because it showed how damn good that fight was mm -hmm. that there wasn't even a winner. They were both kind of winners. That's how good the fight was. And I want to say that it's the first time that <laughs> 
it was like 1.30 in the morning <laughs> going into the fifth round. I had to go to my fridge and grab a beer because, like, if I could have – take some of the edge off. If I could have hopped in the shower and not missed a second of the fight, I would have. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's the rare occasion of – because usually when a fight ends in a draw, it's super disappointing and annoying. And this is a rare occasion where it's like, okay, I get it. Like, it wasn't a disappointing draw. Yeah, it was, uh, damn, what a fight. Like, not my fight of the year, just, like, we're talking about a generational fight for my fight of the year. Like, as good as this fight was, it might crack my top ten of all time because it was so good, but damn. like Similar to the Cody knockout, like, in another year, this might have been there. Yeah, for sure. So... The next fight, also on the same card, would have won fight of the night if we didn't have a fight of the year contender. <laughs> Mackenzie Dern versus Verna Janjaroba. I don't know if you remember much of this fight, but two... I do, you know, I don't even think I saw this fight, unfortunately. You know what's crazy? Um, Mackenzie Dern, God bless her. Um, two ground warriors, like two of the best females on the ground not just in that weight class, but in all of women's mixed martial arts. And they just decided to like, you know what? We're not going to go to the ground. We're going to throw hands and really like bang it out. And it was so much fun to watch. Um, Yes. Mackenzie Dern needs to stop like swinging and praying, like kind of like, you know, ducking her head down and swinging for the fences. But I loved every second of this fight. It was three rounds, and I wasn't even mad that it was a decision. Um, <laughs> such a good fight. I would urge you to go back on ESPN Plus and watch this fight. And it's on my list as, as a, as a must-do. <laughs> so here we go. With the This list of best knockouts might be the best knockouts of the year. Like All of these collectively put together are some of the best knockouts of the year. Starting with the clear best knockout of the year, maybe the knockout of the decade. And this is not hyperbole, guys. If you haven't seen this, what are you doing? Where do you live? Joaquin Buckley over Impa Kasanganai with that spinning back kick. Uh, Yeah, like knockout of the decade. Like it's arguably the best knockout I've ever seen because it's so unexpected. Um, it does not look like, like we see guys try a lot of crazy stuff in fights that like just misses. Like this seems like one of those things. It's not like something crazy. Someone tries and it doesn't quite get there. And this could not have been landed any more flush. Uh, I even rewatched it again tonight before uh, we came on here. And it's one of those, ones where like when that foot connects to his face like i cringe because i can't even imagine how devastating that would have to feel i can only hope that he didn't actually feel it because it looks nasty it sounds nasty the way he just like drops straight back looks nasty and it's so good of a knockout that it almost overshadows how good everything before it was too because it was like a really good fight leading up to that yeah and then like you would never think, like, oh, you, like, grab my kick. I'm trying to, like, 
getaway. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna think to throw a spinning back kick. It was beautiful. Like I've never seen anything like it, and I don't know if I'd ever see anything like it again. Um, congratulations to Joaquin Buckley. I I didn't put it on the list, but he had another knockout like a month ago that was mm-hmm. also spectacular. Um, what a year for that Joaquin Buckley from losing to Kevin Holland early in the year to finishing these last two fights strong. Everybody knows his name. They said he he gained something like 1.3 million followers. <laughs> so that's like also how good that knockout was. <laughs> so good that Kanye West made a music video about it. <laughs> Crazy. Um just some smaller ones. Well, not smaller, but some only other... by comparison. Yeah, by comparison, <laughs> yes. Uh, Magomed Ankalaev over Iwan Kudalaba on October 24th. This was a grudge match, and Ankalaev said, I don't even know why this is a grudge match. I'm going to start <laughs> this dude. And he really did. He had Kudalaba asking for like three minutes. What happened? <laughs> um, Adrian Yanez, once again, he finishes Victor Rodriguez with a head kick. This kid is going to be a problem. This was on October mm-hmm. 31st. Um, I urge everyone to seek this out. If Does Yanez have anything scheduled yet? Uh, yeah, March 21st, he has a fight. So, quick tip. I learned this while I was doing research for this episode. <laughs> if you need to find a finish or something. <laughs> All you have to do is type in the fighter's last name uh, and UFC or their whole name and UFC on Twitter and then go to the video tab. And like, it's pretty easy to find these knockouts, but uh, moving on, we had chaos Williams over um, Al Hassan. This was another incredibly violent, knockout on november 14th where chaos williams left this dude stiff i'll never forget the build-up to this fight it's like oh these guys are both knockout artists like some of the most vicious knockouts um and then chaos williams just put this dude out he didn't stand a chance i remember (laughs) like the the commentary was really given Ahasan credit, like, oh, he looks great. He's throwing these really good leg kicks, and then he just eats this shot that puts him stiff with his hand still in the air. That was really bad. Mm-hmm. And then the final knockout of the year that stood out to me, um, this is probably like top four or top five of the year. Kevin Holland over Jacare Souza from his back. This was... This was bad. If you go and watch that, <laughs> all right, do yourself a favor. Watch the whole sequence when they're on the ground. When he slaps Jacare, it gets Jacare's attention. Like, oh, that kind of hurt. <laughs> and then, like, he throws a fist to his forehead, and Jacare, I don't know if he, like, instantly got concussed or what happened, but the follow up strikes were violent. They were, and they left Jacare leaning from his knees. Mm-hmm. don't see it very often the same all right to put it in in perspective to put it in a visual aspect for you pash remember how i reacted when izzy finished paulo costa 
Mm-hmm. That was my reaction when Kevin <laughs> Holland finished Jacare. <laughs> For the simple fact, if you remember leading up to the Kevin Holland fights after he was scheduled to fight Hermanson and then that fight got canceled. He was uh, mm-hmm. rebooked against Souza. Um, those episodes, every time they said that Kevin Holland was fighting, I said the same thing. Prove me wrong. I'm. I want this guy to prove me wrong because yeah. I just didn't see it. Like especially, mm-hmm. he finished some dude uh, before the the fight before this. He had finished the guy, and I was like, I don't see it. Like I just don't see it. Like this guy's not even that good. Uh, the guy that he finished, and then he yeah. comes and he does this to Jacare. It was a big deal for me. I reacted, and I was so happy. I was like. <laughs> Jen sit next to me and I'm just screaming, he proved me wrong. He proved me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I appreciate about you as like, whether it's as a fan or an analyst, like, and I know I'm definitely guilty of this is like, usually I have my mind made up about you and I'll never change it. And you're, you definitely have like a very open mind when it comes to fighting where like a guy you don't like definitely has the ability to win you over. Yeah, for sure. I'm, um... I'm never scared to change my mind unless your name is John Jones. Moving on <laughs> to the best performances of quarter four. Uh, we'll start at the back end. Rob Font over Marlon Marias. Rob Font really showed that he belongs in that upper echelon at that weight class. We had Charles Oliveira over Tony Ferguson. Again, just a dominant victory over someone who we thought could beat Khabib and he just starts that was the start mm-hmm. he really put it on him four or five rounds yeah uh the control time was crazy uh Charles Oliveira I cannot wait to see who they book him against in 2021 uh Jamal Hill over Ovin St. Prue on December 5th I don't know if you remember this fight it was on um I believe it was a co-main event. Jamal Hill, someone who's coming off of the Contender Series, he just put on a clinic against OSP. Um, he has really good hands. There are some things that I still want him to do, but I really think that he could be a problem for all those light heavyweights. How old is he? Do you have any idea? Huh. Not sure. I'm curious though. So let's. That's become it. like that's become almost like the most important thing to me. With a new guy is like, is he young enough, where he's like still improving, or is it like a guy who's like really good but is probably not getting much better? Yeah. So he's my age. He's 29. Oh yeah. So that's still like because even when Izzy kind of broke out, he was already like approaching 30. So it's not like you have to be 22. To still be like an emerging prospect. Yeah, he's uh, 20, 29, and this was his third fight of the year. All three fights finishes and wins. Um, one fight, just to say, though, was overturned to a no contest because he tested hot for uh, marijuana, which is crazy that we're still talking about this in 20. Yeah, who cares about that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we Grow have... up. <laughs> for real. <laughs> Glover Teixeira's comeback win over Tiago Santos on November 7th. He finishes Tiago Santos. 
by submitting him. This fight was crazy too. I don't know if if you remember this fight, mm-hmm. but this really put Glover as the number one contender. Unfortunately for Glover, uh, he will not be fighting for the title next. But still a great fight and a great mm-hmm. performance. I cannot wait to see him when he gets that shot. And then the best performance of quarter four, Khabib over Justin Gaethje. Do you remember our text during this fight where I'm like, dude, there's like nobody will ever beat this guy. Yeah. So um, this, I don't know. Are we planning on doing a performance of the year or no? I guess uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't this matter. Would... If you if you want to name it that, I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, this was my performance of the year for a couple reasons. So one, like obviously this was like a cap on a perfect career, which you don't see very often. And like probably even the main reason is like however many times he was supposed to fight Tony Ferguson, like a large portion of the MMA viewing population believed like Tony Ferguson is the guy that can beat him. And then we obviously saw Gaethje dismantle Tony. So it's like, oh, the guy who was supposed to be able to beat Khabib, like this dude killed him. And there were a, there was a lot of momentum behind Gaethje like being the guy who could do it because of his his wrestling ability plus his striking ability and his power and like maybe being viewed as like more well-rounded than Khabib and for Khabib, Khabib to come out and just basically you know put a quick end to it like never really be in danger never really be even challenged um like that to end not to mention all of the stuff um going on in his personal life like losing his dad and maybe knowing he didn't really want to continue doing this anymore and being able to go out there and put on that type of performance to me uh edges out Gaethje's performance against Ferguson because he he basically was even more dominant over Gaethje than Gaethje was over Ferguson. So to me, that's the performance of the year. Yeah, he's uh, he's just as they say, a generational talent. Like yes, um, something that we I don't know. I'm gonna hold off on it. We'll talk more about Khabib in a second. Mm-hmm. But just some quick hits, uh, a few questions or categories that we didn't really talk about since. There's not enough bad in MMA where I could do a whole worst of show <laughs> like we can for wrestling. Um, I just want to talk about some of the some of the smaller categories of best and then some bad things. So uh, for me, my favorite feud of the year, no brainer. I don't even know if there's uh, maybe there there's, isn't another one. <laughs> maybe there is one more, but I'm gonna bring it up. Go ahead. There's one. There's one other one, not and it's not on the same level as this, but one that I would even put in the conversation. But I don't even know if it's a feud. Uh, so like, the other one I would maybe give a little bit of credence to would just be DC and uh, Stipe, only because of how epic their three fights were and like what that last fight uh, meant last year. It's so but crazy. That, I don't know if it's really a feud because they didn't like really dislike each other or hate each other. They were just like fierce competitors who happened to be in each other's way. You know what's crazy? This year was so good, we didn't even talk about that. And that, right. <laughs> that fight was a lot of fun to watch. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, so uh, feud of the year, 
John Jones versus Israel Adesanya. This is just legendary stuff. Israel Adesanya is like the meme king. And he mm-hmm. said some stuff to John Jones that I'm like, oh, that hurt my feelings. <laughs> um, and I don't even like this guy. <laughs> yeah, this uh, Israel Adesanya was full of 10 8 rounds against John Jones. John Jones didn't stand a chance. So that's really why it's my feud of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one that I said I think you could probably bring up, but still isn't better than this. Dana White versus the media. <laughs> um, I don't know if you saw his five minute like praising himself piece, but uh, nah. you don't need to. Uh, just know that <laughs> if you watch it, you probably won't watch the UFC anymore because of your disdain for this guy. Yeah, I do hate his guts for sure. <laughs> yeah, so. Israel Adesanya and John Jones win my favorite feud of the year. Submission of the year. Uh, this holds a special place in my heart because I was able to live react to it on air. Bellator 253, AJ McKee over Darian Caldwell with one of the most violent guillotine chokes I've ever seen. So violent that it didn't even look like a guillotine. He called it the McKeotine, which mm-hmm. I like to. AJ McKee is maybe the best non-champion in MMA. That's how good I think he is. Yeah, and like a super like creative and innovative finish. Like I don't believe I've ever seen that before. Yeah, never. And it was it looked like it hurt. Like I don't want mm-hmm. to be in that. <laughs> and the other thing I love is that the guy tapped two different times but the ref couldn't see it. Yeah. And he eventually like looks up and tells the ref he's tapping. <laughs> That's kind of what happened with uh, if you go back to watch Khabib finishing Justin, Khabib yes. has to tell the ref like, "Yo, he's out." Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, because he was definitely tapping, he, but it was like on the underside of him. Definitely tapped. <laughs> uh, just a few submissions that I want to bring up that uh, they didn't, they weren't as good as this, but they were definitely devastating. Um, Ariane Lipsky when she knee barred Luana Carolina. Mm-hmm. If you look that up. That is it's another nasty. one where the picture is just like it says a thousand words. It was mm-hmm. so violent for a submission. Um, well, she was like screaming, kind of not screaming, but you could like hear her <laughs> off camera, like still in pain. Bad, real, real bad. I don't ever want to get knee barred. Me neither. Uh, we had Mackenzie Dern when she when she leg locked um, Hannah Cyphers. We had Jack Hermanson when he leg locked uh, Kelvin Gaslam. Like, just really, really cool submissions this year. Um, our least favorite fighter. I think I know yours. Everybody in the world knows mine. 2021, uh, 2020, once again, John Jones, you're my least favorite fighter of the year. My least favorite fighter may not be exactly what you think, but you're on the right track, I'm sure. Uh, my least favorite fighter in 2020 is any of those MAGA dorks. Uh, whether it is uh, that MAGA dork Colby Covington, whether it is that MAGA dork Jorge Masvidal, who I used to love but is now dead to me, uh, MAGA dork Justin Gaethje, any one of these losers that likes that fat shit that used to be the president, uh, you're my least favorite fighter. Especially because so many of these people that like Trump complain about athletes talking about politics but somehow it's okay 
if you talk about Donald Trump. So those are my least favorite fighters. Figured. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, before <laughs> before we move on to 2021, uh, simple question. Uh, just take it however you want to take it. You had January to March with crowds, and then you had the rest of March till now, no crowds. Crowd or no crowd? I say no crowd uh, for a few reasons. Um, so first reason is I think it's really easy, uh, like because obviously we view fighting as like entertainment. Um, it's really easy when you're watching something on TV to see it as only entertainment and not realize that these are two human beings in there, like about to hurt each other. And something clicked for me. I think I said earlier in the show, uh, Josh Emmett would come up in something I was going to talk about. I was at the UFC card in Philadelphia a couple years ago, or maybe it was even last year. I can't even remember anymore. I think it was 2019 though. Um, when he knocked out Michael Johnson violently and Michael Johnson's family was sitting like 10 feet away from me. And I had to sit there and I could like see their reactions. I watched them file out of their row, like to go back to the locker room, I guess, to check on them. And it just like really sunk into me like, Oh yeah, these are just like men and women out here just like me. Um, so I think when you have no crowd there and you kind it, like, it's a more into, I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel like watching it on TV like that, and this is a weird word to use for fighting, but it's like a much more intimate experience where it's just two people in a cage fighting each other. The only noise you hear is like them hitting each other or like their coaches yelling out instructions. Um, it kind of really, to me, it, it makes you focus on what's actually happening in there and not getting swept up solely in being entertained. So I think there's like a humanizing element to having no crowd there. Um, I do think it's more um, interesting to watch when you can hear more of what's happening. Like it's more engaging to me when I'm hearing the shots land or I'm hearing the coaches very clearly yell stuff out. You could, or like even hearing like the announcers trying to announce quietly. So they're not overheard. Um, And then the third reason I think I say no crowd is because it takes money out of Dana White's pocket. Yeah, uh, I think they said this is, and I don't really believe his numbers, but mm-hmm. in like live gate revenue, they lost about a hundred million dollars, and then with all the on COVID related expenses, it was like seventeen million dollars this year, which is crazy. But listen, I I say no crowd. I it's something so maybe I'm sick and twisted. I just love the pure aspect of it. Like it's just two people and it's not that I, I heard this on another podcast where it's like the, f- the, the crowd really isn't supposed to like fuel your fight style. But think about someone like Justin Gaethje. You think if he would have fought Tony Ferguson in front of a crowd, he would have fought the way he did with no crowd. Like holding back at all. Yeah. Like the way he was able to kind of take his foot a little bit off the gas. No, you're right. That's a great point. Yeah, so no crowd for me. I I can't expect that we'll see a crowd till like this time next year anyway because mm-hmm. Dana White has always said like if I can't sell out a building, then I don't want to run it. Um right. which I love. I I listen, 
I think that there's a chance. There's 600 people on that roster. I think that there's a chance they can run middle of the week cards and people would watch. And they don't have to have cards there. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. for me, they have so many people that I think that they could do it. But, yeah. Do you agree with me, though, about, like, while it's a weird word to use, like, there's an intimacy to it? No, I definitely do. It's like I said, there's just, like, you and the fighters. That's it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I love having no crowds. Like, And I thought it was going to be weird. Like, I, like, wrestling can still be weird. Like with mm-hmm. no crowds, like, but I don't think that the Thunderdome made it any better. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like AW, I get uncomfortable sometimes seeing fans. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what to do watching wrestling. Like, you know, no fans. It's weird. With fans, it's weird. And then the TVs are weird too. So for me, it's like whatever. I'll just take a few. You know. Hours right. <laughs> off of wrestling a week. Yeah. <laughs> Never hurt anybody. Yeah, so let's talk about <laughs> 2021, just a few mm-hmm. things. Um, number one, I think I asked this question last year. I'm going to ask it again. Will McGregor fight more than once? So my answer is just based on one thing. If he wins against Dustin, yes, we see him fight again in 2021. If he loses, I don't know if he does because, like, I don't know what's left for him to do. Like, I really – so – and I was a big fan of Connor, And then I kind of jumped off the bandwagon when some of his, like, outside of the UFC stuff started happening. And I started seeing him as, like – started just thinking, like, this guy's a bad person. So I don't want to root for him anymore. Um, but I do think whether it's him having, uh, like, starting a family – or whether it's him maybe getting knocked off his pedestal a little bit. Like, I do think he has changed for the better a little bit over the past year. And I think he appreciates what he has in his life. I think he appreciates that he still has an opportunity to do this if he wants to. And I think he loves, and I feel like, even though I know you're not the biggest Connor fan anymore, um, someone who loves MMA and fighting the way that I know you do, Like, I think you can at least appreciate the level of passion he has for the game of fighting. And I don't know that there's many guys that share that passion that he has for it. Um, And I think kind of like the NFL back in the 90s was like it was always better when the Cowboys were good or like the NBA is always more interesting when the Lakers are good. I feel like MMA and the UFC in particular is always more interesting when Conor McGregor is relevant. So like to me, he's still an interesting part of the sport. To me, he's still an entertaining guy. He's still fun to watch. And the fact that I I still feel like we don't know exactly what he is right now um, makes him even more interesting. So I'm very interested in his 2021. And I do think that if he wins, he will fight more than once. He'll probably fight three times. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think you laid it out perfectly. And I I have that same exact feeling. Uh, Is there a champion that loses... So from the current champions right now, do you think that any of those champions will lose their belt in 2021? I think that um, when is Stipe John Jones? So Dana White has stated that it'll be Stipe versus Nganu first. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, um, for Ngannou. some reason I thought it was going to be Jones. Okay, so I wasn't aware of that. Well, then that's perfect because my answer was going to be that I think Stipe Miocic loses his title this year, but that he loses it to Francis Ngannou. Yeah, I uh, I think that he'll he'll lose his title. I think that there's a chance. I mean, obviously, I think Izzy beats Jan Blahovic as well. Because the story of 20, 2021 is that Israel Adesanya is going to challenge for the light heavyweight title. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as female fighters, I don't see any of these people losing anytime soon. Uh, I am really looking forward to Valentina Shevchenko against Jessica Andrade. Um, all these all these top fights except for you know Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes has absolutely... Nobody to fight. She's going to fight um, Megan Anderson in March for the featherweight, the women's featherweight title. And then uh, she's going to fight Jake Paul. <laughs> she'll probably <laughs> fight Jake Paul and beat him, by the way. Yeah, she, she would destroy him. Yeah, but there's there's really nothing else going on in women's MMA at the moment. But yeah, I think Jan loses his title. And I think that. Uh, Stipe loses his title. As far so who do you think Jan loses to? I think Jan Blahovich loses to Israel Adesanya. Oh, I was thinking of uh, Peter Jan. <laughs> no, Peter Jan. I don't know if there's. I don't know if there's anybody on that you know top five that could beat him. Yeah, that's why I was curious. Like, who who were you looking at there? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I forgot that that was uh, for that title. Uh, but yeah, so I, I kind of agree with that too. I don't now look, it's possible that Izzy maybe doesn't like go up in weight and is the same guy at a heavier weight. I, do, I don't really worry about that. I feel like cause he's more of a skilled guy than just like a pure speed and athleticism guy. So I think his skills translate if he goes up in weight. And I, I think skill wise, he's light years ahead of anyone, even close to his weight. Yeah, I cannot wait for that fight. I just first of all, I want to see a 205 pound Izzy because he mm-hmm. weighs in light at 185. So right, I could only imagine that he's taking this time right now to kind of put on some, you know, muscle weight. Mm-hmm. Um, but damn, that's gonna be fun. And you know what's crazy? I thought that Dana White was kind of like burned too much by the champ champ thing. But he's, like, adamant about this fight. He's like, that's the fight to make next year, you know. And I think for him, it's like, oh, if I do Izzy Jan, I can get Izzy John. (laughs) Yes, Uh, that's what I was going to ask. Do you think he's using that as the excuse to get him and Jones? Yeah, yeah, of course. And and Izzy, you know, kind of like, I guess, Connor. And I can't think of anybody else right now. But, you know, like... If you do right by Dana, Dana will do right by you. Meaning, Izzy will kind of DC too. Uh, Izzy will step up for anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you need a late replacement. Like he would take care of Dana, and I think Dana's finally like repaying that favor. Right. Agreed. Yeah. So then, um, is there anything in 2021 that MMA can do to improve, whether it be like production values? Or what can they do to reach a larger audience? Because they're already on ESPN+. Plus. I don't know if you heard, but they're coming back to network television with a deal with 
uh, one of the three letters. I don't know if it's CBS or mm-hmm. ABC. Um, and I'm really not sure what they're going to be showing on there. So but, uh, ABC is um, like ESPN is owned by ABC and Disney. So I would have to assume it's ABC. I can't imagine they went to one of the competitors. Um, do you think that that's so, the thing that they could do better? Like they're going to be like broadcast as like a mainstream sport. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that definitely is better. It definitely gets more eyes on them and it probably gets at least some segment of people not paying attention to like give it a look. Um, and mine is kind of vague, like, because it's so hard to like really pinpoint what would make this sport better. But I think like, to me, one of the things that like makes people sick about the fight game is what happens when fights go to the judges. And it seems like too often people end up disappointed. So I don't have like a concrete, this is what they could do to make it better. But if they could find some way to improve that aspect of it where like the guy who won the fight wins. Like, I think that's, to me, that's the only like thing I could think of that makes the product better. Um, whether it's going to like a different, like a different round system or some kind of different judging and scoring system. I don't know what you do and I don't get paid to figure that out. But to me, that's like the thing that I feel like drives people away more than anything when they've watched a fight for, you know, in boxing, whether it is, you know, 36 minutes or MMA, 25 minutes, and you get to the end and the guy who won the fight loses. Like, I feel like that makes people more disinterested than anything. So I think that's the thing they have to figure out a way to improve. I just don't know how you do it. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I think that there's a there's something in the judging that that has to be fixed. But we've been saying that for years um, I think it's more not so much that the judging has to be fixed, more so that I think more credible people need to become judges. So that was going to be my next question to you. Do you think maybe instead of having like if they could find a way to not have state commission judges like they employ their own like judges? I don't I know if that's something that can legally be done. I don't know the ins and out of like the law. But, like, I feel like that would be more in their interest. I just think that that's dangerous. Uh, Because then they're, like, trying – then they end up just doing what's best for the company as opposed to judging the fight cleanly. Yeah, and then I think that's why, uh, like, a lot of these fighters aren't judges because obviously they have teams. If their teammates Mm -hmm. are fighting, you know, it, it leaves the pool, like, very small. Right. So... Before we go, I just want to cover my list of fighters to watch in 2021. These are all new talents. Not, not, well, yeah, I guess I could say these are all new talents, non champions. Uh, these are people that I think that everybody needs to keep an eye on in 2021, starting with my lone female fighter on the list. Luana Pinedo. She was on the Contender Series in on November 10th. She starched the girl she faced. Uh, if I were you, I'd keep my eye on her. I think that she could be a problem. Moving on, Giga Chikatsi. Uh, he debuted 
this year. He fought and won four times. Um, and arguably, in my opinion, tougher competition than Hamza Shemaev. So I think that Giga Chikatsi is a problem. I think that he should have just as much hype, if not more hype, than Hamza Shemaev. Uh, Adrian Yanez, I think I've talked plenty about him. He fought three times this year, knocked out all three opponents. Um, he is someone to keep an eye on for next year and the foreseeable future. Jamal Hill, like I said, I talked about him as well. He fought and won three times, all finishes. Surreal Gain, someone who was from the Contender Series last year, and unfortunately for him, his year was just plagued with injuries and COVID, you know, turnovers and, and a lot of issues. He got in at the end of the year and he starts Junior Dos Santos, but uh, someone that I think could be a potential title challenger within the year if he fights enough, which I think he will. Mm -hmm. um, just because I'm from Philly and I'm extremely <laughs> biased, I'm going to say all these guys, Sean Brady, he was 2-0 this year with one finish. Chris Dawkins, he fought twice, won twice, both finishes, and very violent finishes as well. Uh, he is someone also in the heavyweight division that I think is a problem, and he's getting a ranked opponent in his next fight in the first quarter of 2021, so I'm looking forward to that. As well as his brother, Kyle Dawkins, he was 1-1 one one this year. His only loss was to Brendan Allen. As well as his, that was his first loss. Kyle Dawkins is a beast. Um, he's better than his brother. Uh, unfortunately for him, he's in a tougher division. <laughs> but I think the only way for him to go is up. I'm looking forward to seeing all three of those guys next year. Sean Brady also has a fight lined up, which is uh, a very, very good one. And then, of course. We've talked about him a ton on this episode. Hamza Chemaev. Uh, this dude was, you know, a fight away from being the fighter of the year. Just, damn, he's so good. I want him to show up next year in the first quarter and put a beating on one of those top five guys. Uh, we'll see. We didn't get into it. I'll talk about it next week. But the fight looks like it's being switched once again unfortunate mm -hmm. for him and his opponent <laughs> yeah is there anybody that i missed or anything you want to add on to that part so there's one name i'd like to add uh but first the i think the guy i'm probably most looking forward to seeing next year is um Hazmat because we've we talked about it earlier he's not necessarily like a hundred percent proven but like we have so much evidence that he is one of those special guys um and I'm very much looking forward to seeing whether he is or not. And I, I believe he is. Uh, and the name I was going to add, uh, what about good friend of the show, uh, Zedekiah Montanez? Oh, of course. Now, <laughs> we've talked so much about the UFC mm -hmm. and, like, I'm sorry, Zed. You're my boy. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't even think about it. Even though... I believe in our last interview, I said, I think that there's opportunity for him to join the contender series. So if all goes well, I think that he could be in the contender series in Q2 next year when they do bring it back. Um, 
it's unfortunate for him that he can't make 135 because I think it'd be a lot of fun to see him on the Ultimate Fighter. Mm-hmm. But I do expect big things from Zed. That's my boy. Uh, I will always root for that guy, no matter what. Same. Yep. So I think that's it, Pash. Anything else you want to bring up before we head out? Just one more thing. Uh, it's not going to be long. I know you originally had on uh, your document uh, like a fight that's not booked that you want to see booked in 2021. Yeah. So there's there's two that I want to mention. Uh, one is the same one I mentioned last year, and I'll mention it every year that I get brought back to do this year-end show. Um, and that is DC versus John Jones at heavyweight. <laughs> because I still believe that DC has a win over John Jones somewhere in there. Uh, and I want to see it, and I think it could happen at heavyweight. And then the other one, slightly more realistic one, is obviously uh, Izzy and John Jones. Yeah, that's the one. I mean, that's why I try not to be so obvious, but mm-hmm. the obvious pick for next year is Izzy versus John Jones. Now, Izzy played hardball the last you know year and a half with John Jones. I think, unfortunately for us, I think John Jones plays hardball next um but he yeah. does not want to give in to israel adesanya i know that no that's that's the fight that's the fight to make um one more question actually before we mm-hmm. do head out does khabib stay retired um i think unless something uh out of the ordinary happens yes and uh, the main reason being, like, I think his father was such a part of his, you know, upbringing and, like, his fighting career and his training. Like, I I truly believe that he's a guy that feels like, how can I, how can I do this without him? And I also think, like, what real challenge is still out there for him? Um, so that when I say something out of the ordinary might bring him back, I'm glad you brought this up because it was a question I had planned on asking you and forgot about. Um, the the uh, out of the ordinary thing that I'm thinking about is if GSP comes back to fight him, and he might do that. And I saw somewhere I don't know if it was from like a reputable source. I don't know if there's any actual talk about this, but I saw that GSP was supposed to be making some type of an announcement. Have you seen anything about this, and do you have any idea what it is? And do you think that would be the one thing that would get him out of retirement? Uh, I I saw something about it. Um, I did not see what it was, but I did see that he did clarify that the announcement was not fight-related. Okay. <laughs> All right. So do you think Khabib stays retired, or do you think it would take something like that to unretire him? Somebody like Khabib, who's not motivated by money, um, there's there's clearly no amount of money that could – drive him and i really think that he's just done with the connor stuff like he has no desire to run that back so me personally yes i think he's retired i think he's done and i i agree with that yeah 30 and 0 or not it doesn't i don't think that matters to him he's undefeated he made that promise to his mom i'm gonna need for his mom to come out and say yo I need Khabib to come back. (laughs) 
that might so then that might be the way to, to get it done is if she comes out and says i need Khabib back yeah <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of ybe mma pash thank you so much for joining me me i am josh prep you can find me on all forms of social media elroy prepson one word you can find the show on instagram ybe mma podcast as well as teespring teespring.com slash stores slash ybe mma podcast pash uh if you're interested in seeing an almost completely dormant social media presence, you can find me at Ron Pashery, R-O-N-P-A-S-C-E-R-I on Twitter, or I believe at P-A-S-C-1979 on Instagram. I don't know if I'll ever make another post on Instagram again, but hey, if you follow me, maybe you'll find out. Listen, if anybody has remote work... <laughs> And can supply a laptop. Please hit him up on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, you could definitely hit me up for that. If he sees I would take remote that. work as the first word, he will answer you. But no, I Pash, thank you. you. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. I love talking to you. I could be here for another three hours and talk to you about nonsense. Um, it is greatly appreciated. Yeah, same same here. I try my best to not like over talk. We both know I do that sometimes. Uh, but thank you for asking me to come on. I'm really happy that I was able to do it. Um, hopefully, you know, this could be a yearly tradition where I come on to this year end show. It's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to, to to talk a little bit for the first time in a long time. I shook off a little bit of rust tonight, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, 2020 has been like real topsy-turvy but for me uh it's been great i think that this podcast is the best it's ever been uh i like to thank me for being me i think like to thank me for working as hard as i work you, know? <laughs> you ever seen that snoop dog thing <laughs> yes i have <laughs> well that's how i feel thank good you should <laughs> thank me because i love doing this podcast and if it wasn't for me it would not exist <laughs> exactly no, uh, if it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy the holiday, New Year's, uh, and we'll see you next year. <laughs>